Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I mean, here's a guy that criticizes everybody, whoever they take. He's got the answers to uh, who you should take and who you shouldn't take. And all of a sudden, he's an expert. He's in our paper two days ago telling us who we have to take. Welcome to the Believe in Info Draft Prospect Podcast. It is another interview edition, bringing you inside, behind the scenes, behind the curtain for some of the top prospects across college football for 2023 NFL Draft. Of course, is what we're gearing up for, but I have a young man that could also be a part of 2024 if he chooses to exercise the COVID year that it was granted to athletes uh, a couple years ago, obviously, whenever, when they shut down Potentially happened, and I wanted to bring in Kyle Hergel, who is an offensive lineman out of Texas State, just came off of a fantastic year, and his only his first year at Texas State, made all-conference after transferring over from North Dakota. Welcoming Kyle into the show. Kyle, I appreciate you again, man. I know we, uh, we've had the chance to talk a couple times up to this point, man, but been impressed, obviously, with the film that I've seen of you so far, and thank you so much for joining the show today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's always a pleasure to get with you and, you know, be able to do these things. And, uh, yeah, thank you very much for having me on. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. So, so for some people that have not seen Kyle, I would suggest especially the first game that I took a peek at was the Baylor game where their nose tackle, Siaki Ika, is getting a lot of draft praise right now. And I thought Kyle had a fantastic game against Baylor and really showed out, you know, kind of what his – what his ceiling is as a football player. And he's received also some draftable hype from the NFL this, this spring as well. So excited to have Kyle on Kyle, you bring a really unique perspective, which is why I really wanted to get you on the podcast, right? Like, I mean, we're going to kind of, I told Kyle before we're going to run this almost as a journey, right? So first and foremost, Kyle is a, a Canada guy originally, right? So he's out of the Toronto, Ontario, uh, part of Canada and originally went to North Dakota. So Kyle, before we get into the recruiting side of things from North Dakota um, specifically and going over there, because I know you had a really nice start to your career, obviously over there before transferring to Texas state. Talk to me about being a prospective recruit in this, in just in Canada in general, because I know it has its challenges. There's some guys that go severely underlooked. What was your experience just being a Canadian playing American football and trying to get that, those opportunities in front of you? Yeah, you know, Canada hasn't really been a hotbed, but as of late, like the past couple years, I'd say that we really jumped onto the scene. You know, guys mm-hmm. that came before me, like Neville Gallimore, uh, Chase Claypool, those guys kind of like opened the doors up for the Canadians. And, you know, it's kind of like every year you get a couple that kind of do real well and then yep. open the doors up for the nu- nu- next generation, the younger generations. And, you know, I-, I like to say that I am one of those severely under-recruited kids in Canada. I went to a prep school called Football North, which – was the first of its kind, and we played a, a full American schedule. So we drive down, you know, six, eight hours in the Ohio circuit. We played a lot of Ohio schools, and we'd uh, we drive down on a Thursday, and we played a Friday night game, and we turned and burned back to Canada. 
But it was uh, it was such a dream come true, you know, being able to still experience that Friday night American feel game, being a Canadian kid. And, you know, coming out of Canada, it's hard, right? A lot of people don't recruit it. But I think because of the guys like Neville, the guys like Chase Claypool, the guy like myself, hopefully now, my uh, mm-hmm. my running mate, my old running mate, Liam Dobson, Canada's kind of been put on the map, right? So yep. I think giving back and being able to be that kind of beacon of light and being able to, you know, present a good way that, you know, Canadians really can develop into great players on a day-in, day-out basis, I think is something that, you know, I'm trying to do. And I know a lot of Canadians take pride in what they do down in the U.S., and how much does that mean to you, Kyle? Because you mentioned a couple of the guys. I interviewed Benjamin St. Just also, who came out of Minnesota. I've talked to Liam Dobson in the past. I just interviewed Matthew Bergeron, who's also a Canadian-born player. What does it mean for you to be a part of that pipeline, right? Continue that. Because like you said, a couple of guys have kind of gotten the thing started, but yourself may be included in keeping it going and then making it, taking it even to a higher level. Yeah, you know, I take great pride. I'm I'm very proud Canadian. I think it's special, you know, making it out of Canada itself is hard, but to be able to hike it out as well is even double hard, right? I think I, I, I always go back. I give back to my high school. I'm always around the kids to kind of show, you know, you can do it, right? A lot of people don't believe in the Canadians, but, you know, coming back and I've done it. I've started games. I've won numerous awards. I, I come back. I make sure I let these guys know like you guys can do it. The work in just because you're Canadian, it's going to be a little harder, but it's worth it in the end if you really put the work in. And I just like being that, you know, beacon of hope and beacon of light, you know, being that Canadian guy that everyone kind of knows and refers to back home. And I, I take great pride in it. Uh, for sure. And and I really want to kind of dig into the first portion of your college career. You, so you go to North Dakota which we talked before, and it's not very close to where you grew up in Canada, obviously, so you took a nice trip out there. Talk to me a little bit, because we talked about the challenges of recruiting. Talk to me about maybe a couple of the schools that had some interest in you and and why ultimately you ended up in North Dakota to begin with. Well, it's kind of like the closer schools, so like Syracuse, Buffalo, um, like the Ohio schools. They kind of recruit Canada real well because from Toronto, it's only about six hours. Buffalo, I think, is maybe three so yeah. it's it's easy for them to come down and kind of see us. But North Dakota has always done well with the Canadians in the Midwest, so the Winnipeg area. So I played with Brady Oliveira, Mason and players that play in the CFL now and that are doing really, really good job there. But they did a really good job recruiting the Midwest area of Canada, and they kind of swooped into the Toronto, the east side of Canada, to kind of find myself. And then uh, a couple receivers, one of my old quarterbacks now plays for North Dakota, Quincy Vaughn. So, you know, they, they it kind of started, it kind of branched off. But that's usually how I find, like, anyone recruits Canada. You kind of have a good experience with a kid, and then you mm-hmm. kind of go back into the area that, you know, they gave that, uh, gave that kid to you. So I think just playing well and just being able to show that you can do it really opens a lot of doors for the Canadians. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm also on the recruiting side, so I know, you know, coaches, when they have success in an area, they're going to keep recruiting that area. Like, it makes sense, right? So I totally get that. So talk to me a little bit about the North Dakota career, because obviously you started, I believe, 12 games in 2019, and then you have that COVID-impacted year where you end up playing in the spring there. I guess, first and foremost, just how difficult was that COVID-impacted kind of section of your career? And was that a big factor in maybe – testing your opportunities to play at, at a higher level in Texas State? Well, I think my opportunity, I've always knew that I was, I wanted to play the highest level of FBS ball. And I knew that being a Canadian kid, I didn't get my opportunity in the conventional route. But I mm-hmm. think that 
I made my opportunity by the way I played in the FCS level. I love North Dakota and I love what they've done for me. I cannot thank them enough for giving me that opportunity. But at the same time, I had dreams. I had aspirations that I wanted to go reach and I wanted to be able to do that. And I knew I had to do that the way I did. But the whole COVID season, it was uh, it was different. You know, there was a lot of restrictions. There was a lot of things that, you know, the team and the players had to do a really good job of managing being able to, you know, jump over a couple leaps and hurdles here and there, right? Being able to adapt canceled games and then, oh, it's back on. And then, no, it's canceled again. And trying to navigate that whole situation. Well, like who could have expected that, right? And really it goes back to the whole vibe of the fall, right? Like when some of these big FBS programs, they're like, okay, we're playing. But Hawaii isn't the FCS playing, you know what I mean? Because we're smaller schools. It, it's It was just, it was different, you know, the whole spring season and, I, I think North Dakota did such a good job navigating it to the best of their abilities. And, you know, my teammates that I've been lucky to play with, they did a really good job of being mature uh, student athletes and being able to handle that whole situation with uh, with really good due diligence. Oh, for sure. And and I obviously I want to get into Texas State a little bit and the transition. You mentioned Liam Dobson already, who, of course, was at Maine. He ends up going to Texas State. So I know you got to play with him this past season. Was he um, was he a big help in determining where you wanted to go? Like, take me kind of through the process of Texas State, how you got in contact, and, and why ultimately they were the best spot for you. Because you're going – I mean, you went from Canada to North Dakota. Now you're going all the way down to Texas, man. It's a lot – it's a yeah. pretty nice – you're a well-traveled guy at this point. Yeah, I've been able to experience some really cool things, you know, going all over the country playing ball. I've been really lucky. But, yeah, Liam Dobson was a huge reason why, you know, mm-hmm. coming to Texas State. You know, I think some people kind of just click, you know. They have that, you know, um, what do you want to call it, like a, a good, like, cohesion with each other, right? And yeah. I knew that he would be playing right tackle and I'd have the opportunity to kind of slide in at right guard and make that Canadian wall, we called it. So <laughs> it was something that, you know, we were able to do and – it was kind of cool because talking out, I was hit up by a lot of schools in the portal, being able to you know, recruit that. I thank all those schools. It was a, it was a blessing to be able to talk to all of them and be able to build relationships that, you know, that I'll hopefully have for the rest of my life. But at the end of the day, I, I really gelled with the staff here from the top down. Coach Spav, he's, he's my guy. You know, I'd do anything for that guy. And uh, all my coaches here, Coach Hamilton, my O-line coach, he's a guy that, you know, that slid into the O-line room after our uh, first O-line coach that recruited me, Jim Turner, was uh, – you know, went separate ways. They went to USFL, but he's a guy that I look up to every day and being able to be in the room with him and get feedback from him and be able to kind of bounce off ideas off each other. It's something that really, uh, really I I cherish. And it's something that helps me and develop my game. And the guys, of course, the guys in the room, you know, that's what makes the O-line. And I think that's what makes our team, right? You know, we got a bunch of misfits. We like to call ourselves, you know what I mean? We got a D2 right tackle, we got an FCS guard. We got a JUCO center. We got uh, another FCS guard with a JUCO guard. And then a little kid from Oklahoma, Dalton Cooper. So, you know, it's just like a ragtag bunch of groups that take pride in what they do, right? And I kind of gelled with that whole mentality because, you know, that's who I am, right? I'm never – I wasn't that five-star guy. I'm a 6'2 guard. That's 310 pounds, you know. Like, I just – I like that whole underdog chip on your shoulder kind of mentality and the whole program, Texas State itself. You know, we haven't had the best rap in the last couple seasons, you know, and I, I cherish the opportunity to kind of come in, slide in and be, you know, a guy that can help move this program and change this program for the better. Oh, for sure, man. It's, it's really well said. And 
Liam Dobson's one of my favorite interviews I've ever done, by the way, man. He is he's a character, man. I remember the first I'm going off on a tangent for a second, but first time I talked to him, uh, we had to push back the interview like a half an hour because he was finishing up eating some pork butts just off yeah. the grill or something. I was like, Oh, that's 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 interesting, man. That's some Canadian stuff. I don't know about that yeah. stuff, but have you ever seen the picture of us? We did the maple syrup. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it. I have to send it to you after this, but it yes. around everywhere. Like it was so it was like National Maple Syrup Day, and we did uh we were in our jerseys and we had this big pint of maple syrup. We were pouring it in each other's mouths. Like it's funny. I gotta send it to you. It's, it's awesome. You please, his, please his do. Name was the first. You remember the main touchdown when his yes. stomach was out? That was his. Yep. Dick. Yep. So the, we the crop top. Yeah. together. So you know, it's awesome. I love it. He's a great man. Oh, I love that man. And the and the, the what you call it? the Canadian Wall was what you Canadian called it, wall. right? We I were love that. Here. Yeah. So it's funny, right? We were the only like we got Oklahoma. Uh, Texas, and then just two Canadians on the left, on the right side of the line. You know, it worked. So it, it was it worked well for us. Oh man, that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad to get. I was glad to hear that Liam did really well this this past season yeah. as well. He's a he's a really good football player, and I'm glad that he got the opportunity, like yourself, to play at the FBS level and then to show that he belongs at that mm-hmm. level too. Which is, and that's kind of leads to my next question, Kyle. Is you paint yourself, and I get a vision of you as a player that knows what he's worth and is driving to get to a spot, right? Like you, I, I think that you use everything that has happened already in order to get to a spot, right? Like you want to get to a certain level. You got to the FBS level, obviously, and you had a really successful season. Can you just take me through a little bit of your success and did it live up to your standards? Do you think there's still a higher level you can go? Like how happy were you just with the performance you had in your first season with Texas State? You know, I, I got so much more left in the tank. You know, you're either you're either uh, green and growing or you're ripe and dying. And I think yeah. I'm just starting. I'm, I'm green and growing. You know, I'm learning every day. I've had the opportunity to work with so many different offensive line coaches, so many different offensive coordinators. I've been able to take little by little things from them and implement it to, you know, a bigger scale, a holistic approach. A lot of the, you know, the techniques, they stay the same, but a lot what changes is just being able to have a better honing in on the offense itself right being able to study more film watch the pros and how they do it how they carry themselves it's just something that i've studied throughout this whole off season along with just my work ethic it's something that i hang my hat on the day i stop working hard is the day i lose my edge and it's the day i can't do this anymore at the level i want to be able to do it right so i think just being able to keep that work ethic and then have good people surrounding me that will hone my game and make it more uh you know educated more intelligent but i have the drive and it's all i want to do in life really you know i just want to play ball i want to lift weights and i want to be around good people and um i think it's just something that this year it's going to be it's going to come together in a special way not just for myself but for this entire team and i'm really really excited to you know showcase my my best version of my best self yeah, and and I, I want to ask you about some of your goals that you have because you you because you've mentioned multiple times you're excited not only for yourself but what the team can accomplish right and I want to definitely get in because you just mentioned a lot of great people around you obviously you just went to O line masterminds and I want to you know pick your brain about that experience but just kind of wrapping up just maybe a little bit of the outlook from the team side and yourself you have two years left we'll see what happens as far as if you have a great season and you can make that jump next year but just for the 2022 season. What are some goals that you have from a team perspective, individual perspective? Like what would make 2022 a great year for you in your opinion? I want to get this team to a bowl game. 
that's what our goal. And, you know, we talk about it a lot as a team, um, a unit. We have goals as an offensive line unit that are pretty specific to us, right? We have sure. our domination. Like everyone talks about dominating, right? Like what is the definition of dominating though? And I think that's what something me and Coach Ham have worked on tirelessly. Like what like is our definition of domination? What do we like quantify it as, right? Mm-hmm. And as a team, you know, we want to go to a bowl game. That's something that, you know, we want to get that six win mark, obviously more, but we want to be able to represent and show kind of what Texas State has been able to do and kind of get the bad taste of our mouth, right? We've been so close so many years, but we're tired of talking about how close we are. We got to be able to close. We got to be able to finish. And, you know, I think that's something that this whole entire winter, this entire spring, this entire summer that we focused on, and it's something that drives us every day. It's, it's, it's going to be a special year. And, you know, for myself, I just really want to focus on just being the best version of myself every day. I take it day by day, but, you know, I always say, like, last year I got a couple cool awards. You know, I was PFF Honorable All-American. Yep. Um, I was team of the week three, uh, two, three times. I was all some about this, all some about that, you know, but my favorite's the next one. I want what's next for me, right? I want to be first team this, first team. I don't want any doubt. I don't want to leave a shred of doubt in anyone's mind about what kind of human I am, what kind of player I am, and I'm going to put it on tape every day every day in practice, every day in the game. And I just want to dominate the guy across from me and make sure my team's doing what they have to do to get to that bowl game, get to that six win mark for sure. And you're doing that obviously, right? Like you're putting in that work. We, we've t- we talked pretty recently about the O-line masterminds. For people that don't know too much about it, Duke Manyweather, who is an offensive line specialist, and he's also a consultant that works with several NFL teams, pretty much – Anything that you need to know offensive line play, Duke can help you out with. So he runs an event where there are several NFL players that come. There's college players that, that, that come, and it's it's basically just a meeting of the minds, right? Like you get to talk offensive line play. You get to kind of practically approach different techniques and do all that type of stuff. So, Kyle, you, you got to obviously experience that pretty recently. So can you just take us a little behind the scenes at some of your favorite moments maybe from the events? Yeah, you know, what an honor that was, you know, just being one of the guys in that room with such great players, being able to just watch how they carry themselves, watch how they interact with, you know, the younger players, the next generation, right? You look at some guys that are pro bowlers, Lane Johnson was there, Creed Humphrey, um, Trey Smith, and then the Hall of Famer, Steve Hutchinson. You got uh, Willie Rofe, we got uh, Olin Krutz, just – Willie Anderson, the best guys at their position, right? The guys that paved the way for what this modern generation of offensive line play is. And just the humbleness that they approached everyone with. Like, they don't know who I am. They don't know who some of these younger kids are. But they they made sure that we got the answers that we needed, right? Being able to talk to them and just pick their minds from little things, you know, just stories that they have. I took away a lot like from the mental side of it, being able to listen to some of these guys and these older guys that have been through it and what mm-hmm. they've had to been you know, like go through to just make it to Sundays and, you know, Monday games. It's just something that, you know, it, it puts into perspective that everyone has these issues, right? It's just yep. a lot of the times you just, you fight through it or you don't. Right. And mm-hmm. I think it was just an honor to be able to pick their brains just little by little and take away little things here and little things there that really, that I was going to show this year. I'm going to use it. I was taking notes all, all two days. I was made sure I took down everything and I brought it back to my offensive line coach. I brought it back to my team. I brought it back to my old line guys. We sat down, we talked about it. So I really used it for the most of my, uh, I used it 
pretty much to help my guys out just as much as I did myself. My my favorite part about that, Kyle, in my opinion, is the fact that like, yes, you're surrounded by a bunch of great players, but to your point, you're getting so many different perspectives. Cause like Olin Krutz was an undersized center that like had to get the most out of his physicality and, and every ability he has. You mentioned guys like Willie Rofe who were first round picks, but like Lane Johnson was a junior college tight end turn uh, quarterback turned tight end turned defensive lineman at Oklahoma offensive lineman like crazy stories Trey Smith fell to the sixth round because of obviously the blood clot issue that he had in his lungs like there's so many different perspectives which is I think is why it unlocks the event right it's 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 great to just talk ball and talk technique and talk all that stuff but it's also for a guy like you that's had a journey right like seeing everybody else's perspectives I feel like it has to be kind of a cool thing to see oh my gosh and you know it's you can you can relate to a lot of what these guys go through, right? You know, you can relate to how Olin Krutz, smaller guy, had to use what his abilities are versus, you know, a guy that has it all, that has the size. And it's just being able to see and hear that they've had to go through really puts in perspective my own journey. And it's like, you know what? Everyone has a story. It's about how you deal with it, right? Everyone's got a sad story. It's how you overcome what, you know, 6'2 might look on a piece of paper. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. it's just, it's just so awesome to hear that these pro guys, these guys that make millions of dollars every year that give you the time to be able to just talk to their guys, just like us, you know, they like to, they like to just play the offensive line position and eat good food. It's just like what offensive <laughs> linemen are, you know, it's just, it, it, they're normal guys and being able to be around them. It was just an honor. It was just something so cool. And, you know, I hope to be one day, put myself in the position I can give back to that event. You know, hopefully I'm sitting across from a younger guy that's going to be coming up in the college race that might look at me and be like, damn, this guy did it. You know, he came from the Sun Belt. He came from, you know, being a smaller recruited guy, a Canadian kid. I overcome a lot to be in the position where I can give back to, you know, the next up-and-come college kid. Yeah, and I also love the advantage just because it's it's about the mental side of the game so much because I feel like there's this – there's this weird stigma around offensive linemen that like you guys are just these these lumbering dudes that don't really think much. I'm just like I I don't think you've ever hung out with offensive linemen, man. They're some of the smartest dudes I've ever met. Like they're very because like it's it's all about spacing and understanding angles and and yeah. it's not just this. I I just hate that there's like a barbaric look to offensive line play. Hey. It's, it's such a mental position. Lane Johnson's got an eight pack. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> can't really you know some of these guys you just look at and you're like wow like freaks just absolute freaks of nature you know yeah and it's just it just proves the testament it's like these guys put so much into what they have and then what they've got and it just makes you want to go like myself to so much harder like what what can i do like what can i take from that and what they do to implement it into my game and make it better and you know hopefully i'm going to be able to do that and i i am going to do it. and i have been and it's something just special being a part of such a great group of men. It, it was something I'm never going to be able to forget. Yeah. Yeah. We, we can't underrate the athleticism that it also takes to play oh. position. Like you said, Lane Johnson ran like four, seven, two at like 300 something pounds, like just yeah. a freaking nature athlete. So Kyle, I really appreciate the perspective from the O-line mastermind. I guess the last couple things I want to talk to you about is just, like I said, you have junior eligibility just with co- with COVID and everything else working. So you could potentially be a part of the 2023 draft or it could be to 2024. We'll see kind of how everything shapes out. But I just kind of want to get your perspective on the fact that you're working towards that goal and you could be a professional athlete in the, in the pretty near future here. Just what type of blessing is it just considering the background you've had, all the work you've put in, just what, what would that feel like when that does become a reality for you? 
you know, I, I think it's something that I've worked so hard towards. It, it's familiar feeling. I, th I think it's going to be because I've always knew that I had what it took to do it. I had mm -hmm. to go and do the work, which I have. And, you know, being able to put myself in the position that I have, it's something that might feel familiar. And, you know, obviously it's going to be a little bit of a shell shock at first, but I, I think I've worked so hard to be able to put myself in the position that I'm going to take it full, full, full stride. And, you know, just like, I'm just going to work at it, work tirelessly at it, put myself around good people and then be able to, you know, get the most out of it. And, you know, all I need is an opportunity. I just want one team to be like, yeah, that's our guy. I want to, I want to take him and be able to mold him to what, they see me fit and anything I'm willing to do to get to that point. And, you know, just being able to frame of a uh, prospect, I, that's something I, I just, it's a dream to do. And I guess my last question kind of working off of the dream of playing in the NFL, when I talked to Matthew Bergeron, who for people that haven't caught that interview, he's the uh, offensive left tackle for the university of Syracuse is also a very good football player. I think he has an NFL future and, and a very good one. He talked to me, Kyle, that, he never thought about the NFL because he grew up around just CFL football, right? Like he just kind of thought like, okay, I'm going to play here. I'm going to go to a local school in Canada and then I'm going to go right into the CFL. When did the NFL become something that you thought was realistic as far as a goal? You know, I think it kind of hit me after freshman year in North Dakota. I was like, okay. you know, I, I just love the American game and, you know, what the American people kind of – view this game as like the NFL football. It's just the peak of all sports in my opinion, you know, yeah. I'm not to say and not to disrespect CFL football at all. You know, the Canadians, it's something that they love. It's their NFL. It's ours, right? It's our, it's our ball. And it's something that, you know, it'd be an honor to play there too. But at yeah. the same time, I'm shooting for the stars with everything. I, I put too much into it not to, and being able to play in the NFL, play on Sundays, play on Mondays, Thursdays, something that, you know, I, I'm going to do, you know, too much into it that not to. And I, I'm coming for everything and everyone this year. Uh, that's a great note to end on. Again, joined by Kyle Hergel, offensive lineman out of Texas State, former North Dakota transfer and has Canadian roots. One of the better offensive linemen that you probably haven't heard of. And you need to go take a look again. Go take a look at some of the Texas State All-22, especially that Baylor game. There's a lot of guys on that Baylor defense that have gotten drafted last year or have some real nice reputations already in draft circles that I thought Kyle dominated to be very honest with everyone. So Kyle, appreciate this again, man. This was fantastic. Thank you so much for giving myself and the viewers your perspective and just a really fantastic conversation, man. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. And again, thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.